Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. And today I'm delighted to have Darshan Mehta. He's um, the founder of iResearch, and more importantly, he just released a book, the uh, title is Getting to the Aha Moment, or Getting to the Aha, I have to say. Um, welcome, Darshan. Could, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you very much, Elias. Uh, pleasure to be here. Yes, my name is Darshan, and the book that's coming out on November 2nd is called the Getting to Aha. And as you said, it's referring to the aha moment. Mm-hmm. And it's basically why today's insights are tomorrow's facts. Why today's insights are tomorrow's facts. And that has all to do with the business you're in, right? Yeah. So what, the, what, the business, what business, the business are you of in? Insights. <laughs> the business of insights. And yeah, we had a brief chat before this podcast because you told me that a lot of people don't even know what insights are or they have a misunderstanding of what insights are. What, what are insights according to you? A lot of times people uh, view insights as just facts or observations. And uh, they're actually much more than that. Um, they're um, a combination of facts, observations, but also what's going on at a, at a macro level in society uh, as well, and also just understanding human nature. And I'd probably say one of the best examples of you experience insights are when you have a really good comedian, right? Mm-hmm. This is a comedian who tells a story in a, in a way and depicts a situation of human nature that makes you say, oh, my God, that's so true and so funny. That's usually an insight because mm-hmm. it's something that's maybe been swimming around that you haven't really articulated or put together completely. But when they put it all together, it's a combination of human behavior, societal trends, uh, technological trends, whatever, all together. And, you know, Seinfeld did a great job of that, if you ever watched the show Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And so that is what I'd say is an insight. It makes you kind of go, oh, my God, that's so true. And I never thought of it that way. So how do you get to those insights? Well, there's lots of ways. Um, Some people try to get at it through uh, surveys, uh, but I would advocate doing focus groups first. In other words, have conversations with people because what you're trying to do is tap into what people think and feel. And once you do that, I actually would say you would end up coming up with better surveys and answer choices later on anyways. But if you think about it, most people, 95% of decision-making is done by the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And to get at those triggers, those motivators, those things that really get people to act, you need to tap into it. And the way to do that is to have conversations with people. So Give me another example. For example, like it's one of those conversations you want to have, like you're at a cocktail party and you meet a few people. And next thing you know, you're in, you're all diving into this topic and everyone's feeding off of each other and saying, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, I never thought of it that way. When you start getting to those kinds of conversations, you're going to get deeper and deeper, and you're going to start getting those kernels of insights revealing themselves. So that that data is very valuable, I, I guess, to marketers, because it really helps you to adapt your whole strategy in a way better way, better way than just by the quantitative data so what you're referring to is qualitative data using those focus groups but there is a lot of there is a lot of marketers that lean 
very much on quantitative data. So the surveys you refer to. And that has and a I, reason, I guess. I think I would say, I think one of the reasons that's happened in the past and also continues is that almost everyone's taken a survey. We've all experienced a survey one way or another. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, we might have even created one. And the other factor is surveys have always been traditionally less expensive. But focus groups really get at what most people want to get at. And that is the why. Why do people do the things they're doing? Or why don't they do this? Or you know, why, sh- uh, uh, why would they pick this over that? And so that's where, if you can tap into what people are thinking, the decision-making process, the triggers, the fears, those are the things that are going to really peel the layers off to really getting at that insight that's going to help you. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do surveys. What I'm actually saying is you should do focus groups first, because then you're going to get uh, better insights into what kind of questions are going to be more relevant and what answer choices are going to be much more pertinent to those questions. So, so yes, it's, it's more expensive at all, or it has been more expensive to organize those focus group and do qualitative, uh, qualitative uh, research. But on the other hand, it, it only, it's the only way to get those, those why, uh, the why to, as to why do people uh, look for a solution to this problem, et cetera. Um, the thing is that it's it's more expensive and that that has a reason of course because it's 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 more work to organize a focus group you have to get people together you have to have a venue you need to get some catering you need to have a moderator it, it needs to be worked <laughs> yeah. out it's a, it's a lot of lot of work that's why it costs money right so how do you how do you do this in a modern way well luckily the internet came around and uh uh, I, I'm originally from India. I was born in India and raised in the U.S. since the age of four. And I've been accused of having an extra gene for technology. So back in 96, 98, I started, I was doing traditional focus groups and traditional surveys. But I started playing with the Internet. And I was one of the first ones to start doing online surveys and online focus groups. And at first, I'll be honest with you, I was a bit skeptical because I'd come from the world of, hey, you know, I want to see the people. I want to see the reactions. But I also wanted to experiment, see what happens with online focus groups. And I found very quickly that this actually is a great uh, tool in your arsenal of ways to get insights. And I found two things that happen really that are very unique to online, especially chat-based as well, because I've tried all the different methodologies from video to this and that. And what I found very interesting is chat-based is one, when you have a group of 10 or 15 people, when you pose a question, everyone can answer at the same time without interrupting. For example, right now, you and I can't talk at the same time. Uh, otherwise, it's going to drive your listeners crazy. And, but with a chat session, everyone responds you know, independently first, but then they can still see everybody else's responses and react to them. And the second thing that I found that's very unique is that people tend to articulate their thoughts a little bit more when they have to put it in writing. Now, we don't advocate that you have to have, be a perfect speller or you know, have perfect grammar or, or anything, as long as we understand what you're saying. But we find that that extra step of thinking also leads to more insightful thoughts and comments. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I've actually been very surprised and very happy because uh, I've actually been doing these focus groups for clients for many years. But then more recently, I'm um, getting ready to launch this as a platform to allow you, anybody else, to basically do online focus groups on demand, anytime, anywhere, in any language, at a much, much more affordable cost. Uh, we're talking about not much more than the 
uh, a lunch for two, you know, and, and we're talking about a, you know, a nice lunch for two and still be able to do a focus group. Cool. So it's cool. eliminating the cost of the facility um, because it's basically the online facility. You're eliminating travel costs, uh, video costs, transcription costs, as well as, as you said, the catering. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, it eliminates a lot of costs, but also expands the possibility because uh, some of the downsides of in-person is sometimes you have geographical bias, right? Because if you're going to do a group, you have to put them all in a room together, whereas this allows you to get people from all over on different time zones, but have other commonalities that are in, in common. This, this sounds like a great solution. I, I want to know more about it. So um, you, you, one of the things that I have experienced in focus groups, and I've you know, organized them, but I've also been part in the discussion, so part of a focus group as, a, uh, as someone that had to, had to give an opinion about a product or something or be in a discussion, um, mm-hmm. finding the right people to participate, like people that need to come from the audience, from your audience or your target groups, that's has always been very time consuming and, and therefore expensive. So how did you solve that? Or have you solved that at all? I have to a degree. I haven't fully solved that. And that's something that I'm still working on. But uh, the good news is with the internet, you have access to many people very easily these days. For example, you're going to get feedback from people no matter what from your social channels, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one way you could also recruit people to come to a screening survey where you actually will screen them further to make sure they're the right people for your focus group. And you're absolutely right. The key to good focus groups are two really good elements. One is you have to have the right people. And two is you have to have good moderation. And then, you know, finding the right people is usually not a problem. There are companies out there that will actually get you sample. So if you say you want to look for women, you know, 18 to 35 in a certain uh, area or region, you know, they can help you find that. But ultimately, you're still going to have to do a screening survey to make sure people meet the criteria you're looking for for that group. Mm-hmm. So and how, how, how are you going to do the moderation? How did you solve that problem? So one, we, we can moderate, but uh, more importantly, we're actually going to train you to become a moderator. And so we're going to be offering some training uh, tools from free to paid to allow you to become a moderator and mm-hmm. to train you to become a moderator. Okay, so um, we have all kinds of listeners to the Marketing Technology Podcast, uh, B2B, B2C, small companies, corporate companies. Would you say that focus groups fit to a specific segment or a specific market size or a specific company size? Or are they, should you, do you recommend using them at any company? You know, it has fit to a certain uh, market size and segment size previously, again, because of the cost factor. But the need for the getting at the why is universal, whether you're a small company or a big company. And to be honest with you, that is the key to being a differentiator and getting a competitive advantage in today's hyper-competitive world is getting those insights before other people. And if you do, you have a tremendous head start against your competition. And so as the cost of this has come down, it's going to allow the small company to the large company to do focus groups. And in fact, at this cost level we're talking about, it's going to allow you to do more focus groups on a regular basis. So you can actually really expand your insight gathering without tremendously extending your budget. Cool, cool. Um, 
one one other thing I would like to know about the uh, the focus groups um, is um, you 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 say you have them worldwide. Um, is there a difference in the way people participate in those groups? Are they, for example, similar in Asia, uh, Europe, and and the U.S., or are they different? They're pretty consistent, I would say. Um, and if you think about how much of our daily lives now around the world is text-based, when you consider mm -hmm. email, texting, all the different ways we communicate via text. But I, I will tell you, there's one difference we found when we did it with a younger audience, and that was uh, young teenagers. Mm -hmm. They were incredibly fast. <laughs> In fact, they were so fast, really had to keep up. And they're also very good at doing shortcuts in their in their texting, in their in their words. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that was the one difference I saw. But everybody else is pretty much, you know, uh, on, on at the same pace and ability and they have the ability to do that. Uh, but the one difference I saw was young people were incredibly fast. But I'll cool. give you an example. We, we did a series of focus groups uh, around the world for Abbott Labs. And um, it was really interesting because we were able to, uh, these were groups we wanted to do with the same people over a period of time. So the project was to basically develop ads, internal ads to help uh, employ promotion and education. Mm -hmm. But then we brought the same people back to basically look at the ads again and give feedback once the ads were executed. But what was most interesting about this, we did this around the world, all different time zones, but we could have the same moderator and the team do it so that maintain continuity throughout the project and they also learn from all the groups uh you know collectively but not only that since we, these were employee groups we were able to maintain the anonymity of all the employees so for example you'd be joining the group but we wouldn't use your name you might be respondent one i'd be respondent two and that eliminates the hierarchy within a company and allowed people to be much more candid and open with their opinions cool cool um Examples like you're giving work out great for, for our audience. You know, we, we get feedback from audience that pe people always like to hear examples. So one other request I have here is because we, we started discussing differences between qualitative and quantitative data. Is there an example you could give to the listeners, to the audience of something you have, an insight that you got through qualitative research that you definitely would not have gotten with quantitative data and i, sure. I know i'm asking a, a, it could be a difficult question so you might, might take a moment to think about it but you know these these kinds of examples usually work out very well yeah i mean fortunately i've had uh, some experience doing these so i have a good example for you it was actually a children's retailer and uh, we did a series of focus groups and we found out that uh, the retailer was opening at 10 in the morning but a lot of the customers that come in the morning were women who had dropped off their children and then would actually go to the bagel shop nearby at around nine, but they'd be done around 9.15, 9.30. And oftentimes they didn't want to wait around until 10 for the store to open. So they'd leave and think they'd come back later, but oftentimes they wouldn't. But with that one insight, the retailer started opening up a half an hour earlier at 9.30. Mm -hmm. And that was the perfect time because by the time they finished, you know, they were able to go from their bagels to the shop and do the shopping and continue with their day. Now, that was an insight gain out of the focus groups. But then to quantify that, to say, hey, what percentage would this really impact? A survey was done. And so that's when that came together. And within a week of doing the research, the retailer more than paid for the research with extra sales and continued to expand sales beyond that. 
Love it. Love those examples. So the final question that I have for you um, relates a little more to your own business and your own practice. Is there some advice you can give to the listeners as far as to which kind of marketing technology tools you have used that have have given you success or have proven success to you? Is there a MarTech tool or tech stack that you would that you have great experience with? You know, I, I'm a big believer of feedback. And nowadays you have so many tools available to you that are free to paid. Um, I would take advantage of all of them. And again, mm-hmm. recognize that each one has their pros and, and cons. But collectively, I think you can really come out ahead with getting a more 360 around various insights. So I would recommend more than anything, try the various tools, but don't be discouraged by negative feedback. Because I think sometimes people are discouraged by negative feedback. And in fact, I would argue that that's probably an area where you can often win a fan or create a super fan if you can really listen to the negative feedback and see what's going on. Because that's the one actually has cared enough to tell you something's wrong. But also in a way, they're telling you if you can fix it, you're going to win me over. So I wouldn't maybe, I think there's many tools out there available from free to paid, but also keep in mind, regardless of the tool, uh, listen to all the feedback, because I think you can glean insights and ways to make smarter business decisions from all of them. Love it. So there's all kinds of tools available in that spectrum. So uh, yes, so feedback tools, any kind of, con- let's say, conversion feedback, et cetera. That's, that's, that's a very useful tip. So thank you very much, Dashin, for being on the on the Marketing Technology Podcast. Again, um, your book just came out, Getting to AHA. Go get it, folks. And I will put it in the show notes, of course, as well as your LinkedIn profile. Thank you very much for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.